You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. If you're around last week, we started a series, a two-week series called From the Heart. And in the morning service, Kristen Haddon, our youth pastor, she shared a great message on identity. And uh, in the evening service, if you were around, uh, I'm sure you agree with me that uh, it was such a powerful message that, uh, that Michael brought uh, on temptation. And uh, I just highly recommend if you weren't able to, to be here last week, uh, please have a look at the, the podcasts and uh, have listened to them because I'm sure you'll be inspired and challenged. Tonight, uh, for me, sharing from the heart, I'm, the topic this evening will be uh, the church on the move. And uh, the backdrop of the story, or the, the message tonight, is, is really the story of uh, the children of Israel and the book of Egg. Exodus particularly. Uh, This book and the following books in the Bible uh, is all about the freeing of God's people, the children of Israel, from slavery and eventually delivered to the promised land. And some of you might not be familiar with this uh, biblical story. Some of you might have been a while since you've read the book of Exodus uh, or the early chapters, uh, the early books of the Bible. So uh, I'll give you a brief rundown of of what what the background is and then we'll take it from there. Uh, The patriarch uh, Joseph, he rescued his family from a great famine and he brought them over to Egypt. Joseph was honoured and he had significant influence over Egypt. Uh, The Hebrews, they lived there in peace uh, for quite some time, for several generations, and grew significantly in number. Uh, The Pharaoh then at that time uh, was quite overwhelmed by the sheer volume or number of, of Hebrews that were there and he didn't know about the story of Joseph. Uh, So he was totally unfamiliar of that and he decided to uh, make all of the Hebrews slaves. And uh, despite that, God blessed the Hebrew people and they continued to grow in numbers more and more. And so the Pharaoh, uh, he ordered the death of all the newborn Hebrew males. Moses' mother, he managed to, hide, uh, managed to hide him for a few months and then placed him in a basket into the Nile. Uh, which is a, just a pretty daring move, to be honest, and, but fortunately was found by uh, the Pharaoh's daughter of, of all people and was adopted into that family. Um, when Moses was an adult, uh, he eventually began to see the pain and suffering inflicted to his family, his Hebrew family. And he actually intervened uh, when he saw an Egyptian beating uh, a Hebrew and uh, he ended up killing him. And Moses then eventually leaves Egypt. He spends about 40 years uh, in a place called Midian where he is married, he has a family, uh, he learns to be a shepherd and and to care and and love his flock. He becomes a lot more wiser and meeker and, you know, he's sort of 80-odd by the end of that. Uh, Then he has this encounter with God. Um, Some of you may remember the story of the burning bush and where God reveals to him that he is the one to deliver the Israelites out of slavery. And uh, Moses is really apprehensive at first, but then he agrees and he returns to Egypt. And the Pharaoh was stubborn. He wouldn't free the Israelites. Uh, So there was a series of plagues that happened over time that fell upon the people. And then finally, finally, Pharaoh, he agreed to let them go. And the Israelites headed out of Egypt. And that's where we got to when we saw that clip tonight. Uh, They reached the Red Sea. And then they realised as they looked around that uh, the Pharaoh had sent a whole bunch of his, his soldiers after them because he changed his mind. 
Uh, and then you see this incredible moment of faith from, from Moses as he steps out and the, the power of God at work as he parts the waters. Uh, and then you see, you see the children of Israel, they, apprehensively at first, but they, they move forward and, and they cross on dry land. Uh, the Egyptians pursue them and, and they actually eventually drown, as we saw, and, uh, and now the Israelites are free. But it's not as simple as that because it's not actually for another 40 years that they reach their destination, the, the promised land. And there's a lots, of, lots of things that happen during that time, including God issuing the Ten Commandments, Moses establishing the law. Uh, there was lots of moaning and complaining and grumbling along the way and heaps more. And it's, um, it's, it's a bit sad and boring if, uh, you know, if you've ever read it. But, uh, but it's, there's a lot to learn from it, I will say that. So... But what, what the truth is, it didn't happen overnight. So there was a, the, the Israelites, they were pleading with their God uh, for a long time, several hundred years, uh, until they were delivered. Uh, and uh, they were finally free. But then it was another 40 years after that that they reached the promised land. So the church was on the move uh, for quite a long period of time there. But to be honest, in my opinion, we haven't ceased moving since. We've consistently evolved and grown and developed, and we're constantly on the move. So that's, that's the, uh, the theme for tonight. And there's some, there's some lessons that I want to uh, draw out from, from the book of Exodus. Um, the first one is that there's some similarities between the Israelites and the church today. We might have come a long way. We might look a lot different to what those guys looked there on, on the clip and what you understand uh, of ancient history. But, uh, but we, we've also lost our way. Um, along the way, just as the same way that the Israelites did constantly. We can be distracted by petty things and focus on things that aren't that important uh, as a church. We can complain and moan uh, and argue amongst ourselves. Um, I was at a conference only a couple of weeks ago and I heard that there was something around 184 denominations in Australia alone. And I just thought about that. And it is a great thing that there's different flavours and that there's... Uh, there's different churches for people to go to depending on what uh, they want to feel connected to. But I, I just wondered about what the perception would be from, from those that we're trying to reach. If we can't get ourselves together or act together, then how can we possibly establish respect and rapport with the world if there's such division and arguments and problems that we've seen over church history? If you've studied it, it's, it's appalling to see some of the things that we've done over time. Um, we might not be in slavery, uh, we're certainly not growing rapidly in numbers uh, as a church. Um, I'm talking about in Australia and the Western world. Um, but we are oppressed. And uh, you only have to read books, go to seminars, conferences, and you, you hear about the state of the church right now. And it's, it can be quite depressing uh, because the, the church is declining in numbers. Um, some, some churches, their services are closing down. They just don't have enough people. Their ministers are exhausted and overwhelmed. People are trying all these different methods and, and different models of doing church to be relevant. And it, the reality is we're having a tough time. If you were here this morning and you heard Graham Reed speak, he shared a little bit about the church under threat and just how, how tough it is at the moment uh, in the Western world and uh, particularly in Australia. My response to that would be the first step for us is to identify that there is a problem. Uh, there's a problem at hand. And you see from Moses that uh, he didn't see the oppression that was around him of his, 
Hebrew brothers and sisters for 40 years. It took him a, a fair amount of time until he really woke up and he acted upon it. And I'm not recommending that you act in a dramatic way and kill anyone, but I'm, what I'm re- recommending that you do is that you open your eyes and have a look around you. And you can take 40 years to sometimes learn a lesson, or you can ask God to open your eyes a lot, a lot sooner than that. We can sometimes be so busy or overwhelmed by our circumstances that we don't see the oppression around us. I don't know if you, if you agree with that or you experience that. But even as a church, we can be so focused on our programs and our events that we're blind to seeing that we're struggling, that we're not doing as well as we really think that we are. The reality is, yes, the church is having a tough time. People in the world are looking to all different avenues for spirituality and for answers. But the church doesn't have the same trust and respect by people that it perhaps once did. And you can appreciate that because we've, we have made some mistakes along the way. But the first step is identifying that there is a problem. In the case of Moses, um, the problem was oppression and suffering. And then the next step is to start to do something about it and seeing change happen. Uh, the second thing that we can learn from this story is uh, responding to a call. Moses was the perfect choice for God to lead his people out of Egypt. He was a Hebrew but he was raised in the Pharaoh's court. He was educated, he had a relationship with the Pharaoh, he was set apart. And 40 years he spent in Midian where he learnt and he grew in character, in humility. He learnt to love his, his flock as being a shepherd. And I like to think sometimes um, that I resemble Moses uh, and then I think about it for a moment and go, I don't have quite so many runs on the board, I haven't parted the Red Sea, I haven't turned a staff into a serpent or come anywhere close to that. But what I do relate to Moses is being somewhat out of my depth at times. I was called to ministry when I was only 17 years old and, uh, and it was really daunting for me. I left university, I was studying music um, and I went to head off to study for the ministry. And uh, I was a bit stubborn, I was indignant that uh, I wasn't going to go into worship ministry because... Um, just because I could didn't mean I should. Just because I had studied it and I was a musician didn't mean necessarily I had to fit into that area. So I went into youth ministry. I was loving it. Um, I, I just had the best time and uh, I really learnt so many lessons along the way. But uh, my best mate tapped me on the shoulder and dragged me into the team and said, I just need you just, just for one month. Just one month. And, uh, and so I played, and that one month turned into 11 or 12 years, and I haven't turned back from there. So um, I think he had that in mind the whole time. But, um, but I was quite indignant that that wasn't the path that I was going to take. Now, within only a few months of me um, following that call to ministry, the worship pastor at my church, which was quite a large church, um, she left. And I suddenly inherited this huge team, and I was so green, so raw, had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I was leading people that were three or four times my age. And it was pretty scary for me. But then I thought about it. In hindsight, God had set me up in the same way he'd set Moses up and he had educated him and he understood things about the Egyptian culture. He had relationship with the Pharaoh. He was the perfect candidate for that role. Um, I remember back to when I was only 13 years old, standing before a choir of 100-plus people uh, that were 
There was a lot of purple rinse there. They were much, much older than I was. And, and I, my voice was cracking and breaking and I sounded horrendous. And, and I'm there trying to tell them what to do. And I'm conducting away. I'm trying to develop them as musicians, as better singers, uh, and leading them. And I was, you know, if you knew me back then, I was so short. And, uh, and I had one of those terrible experiences when your voice breaks. And it was up and down all the time. So try, trying to teach people and sing people uh, to, to sing better when you're cracking away horrendous. It was horrendous. But God set me up because I learned back then to have to relate to people that were far, far older than me, uh, that had very different backgrounds and experiences to me. And it was exactly what I needed to learn as I suddenly had this whole big team of people uh, that I was trying to lead and inspire. And a lot of them were hurting. Uh, the way that the, uh, my predecessor, she left, it wasn't the best circumstances. And so I had a lot of hurting people. I didn't know what I was doing to try and fix that and help that along. But God reminded me in the same way that he reminded Moses is that I will be with you uh, every step of the way. And so I stuffed up. I made loads of mistakes and I continue to. You only have to be around me a while and you see that I'm still a work in progress. But I, knew, I know looking back that God was preparing me for the ministry. Um, and so that's why I can say that God can use anyone. You know, and when we look at Numbers 22, I don't know if you remember, but God speaks through a donkey. And uh, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through me. And he can certainly speak through any of you guys. Um, and uh, by the time that Moses had that burning bush experience, uh, it's Exodus 4.10, and he, um, he's so timid and shy and scared by then. He says, I'm slow of speech and tongue. And, and uh, some theologians thought that Moses even had a speech impediment, a stutter. So, so if M- M- Moses could you know, articulate um, and get people to that point where they were free and, uh, and took on Pharaoh, then I think, you know, I'm all right, I'm getting there. So um, I-, I have to say that uh, it's important to know, and I want you to hear this tonight, that God can use anyone, whether you're flawed, whether you're broken. Um, if you put your hand up and you take the step, believe me, he can use you. And when, when, uh, when Moses said, oh, not me, you know, I, I'm slow in speech and tongue, uh, God re- replies and says, who gave human beings their mouths? And he goes on and says, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. And he constantly reminds Moses that I will be with you. The second thing we see at that burning bush experience is that... Um, that God can use what's in your hands. See, when Moses was there, he takes off his sandals, he has this staff in his hand, shepherd's staff, and God says, throw it down. So he does obediently, because you don't want to disobey God, particularly when he's in flames in front of you, and it's, you know, you'd want to do what you're told. So he throws the staff down, and, uh, and then he picks it up again. And, and at that point, that's when God empowers that staff. And it, it is the tool that, that does some remarkable miracles. Uh, but he had to surrender it. That's the reality of it. He had to give something over. So the question is, what's in your hands? What's God given you specifically? Are you using the gifts and the life that God has given you in service to God? That's a question that I often ask myself. What have I been given and what am I doing with it? I think we will give an account to that. The third lesson you can learn from this is perseverance through suffering. Now, this is something that I've learned so much about um, from journeying with Graham, our senior pastor. He is a wonderful 
wonderful encouragement to developing a theology of suffering. Uh, If you look at these passages of Scripture, you'll see that the Israelites, they suffered for many, many generations before they were delivered out of slavery. Moses had to endure their complaining, their moaning for years, um, but he continued to be faithful despite that. He was faithful to God and he loved them. You know, they'd only just escaped captivity when they got to that Red Sea. And they, and they saw the, you don't see it in the clip, uh, but they see the Egyptians coming and they start moaning and complaining. And they've only just been delivered. They've seen all of these miracles and they've, the plagues, and it's just horrific, but it's just the mighty work and power of God uh, at work. And then suddenly they're, they're ready to turn back and run to slavery again. It's madness. And then, then they get to the other side of the... And you saw how impressive that was, you know, the parting of the Red Sea, for goodness sake. They get to the other side of that. Their enemies are just wiped out in front of them. And then it's not long later than they're thirsty and they start whinging again. And it's just this constant thing that you see through the scriptures that they just can't get over it. And, uh, and Moses is just patient and loving and faithful and he persevered through that. I don't, if you know me well, uh, you'll know that I've suffered uh, a, a health challenge for quite a long time, for probably um, a decade or so. And uh, doctors would consider it a chronic illness, and it's something that um, has caused me uh, and my wife Kirsty quite a lot of uh, struggle and suffering and uncertainty about things and about uh, our life ahead and uh, lots of surgeries and lots of things involved in that. And that's, that's been tough. I wouldn't lie to you and say that it, it's been easy, but I wouldn't change it for a second because throughout all of this, um, I've learned so, so much. And you know, we remember that suffering builds character and character hope and uh, and I tell you what, it's, for me, it's been one of those things that I've, I've just learned to have so much greater dependence on God and dependence on other, others. Um, and you can draw closer to him. Think about the people in your life or the people that you love and respect the most or the people that you revere uh, historically. Um, I would guess that they have endured some pretty significant hardships over their lifetime uh, to be able to, to have your respect and uh, to be formed in the way that uh, they've earned uh, the right to be revered or to be uh, honoured by others. It's just my thought. It's certainly been my, my experience with people that I respect. So how do you endure throughout suffering? My advice to you for someone that has suffered, perhaps no one near as much as some of you here, uh, is reach out to others. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's a worthwhile thing to do. In Exodus 18, uh, Moses is visited by uh, his father-in-law and uh, Moses is working really hard to try and manage all of these Hebrews that are a bit dysfunctional. They've got all these quarrels amongst them. There's about two million of them, um, we believe. And, and so he's single-handedly trying to manage their affairs, uh, you know, whatever disputes he's trying to sort them out. And he's told by his father-in-law, don't be silly. You can't do it. It's not sustainable to do this on your own. And so he's encouraged to appoint others to be able to Help him and, uh, and judge uh, over the Israelites. Just prior to, to that conversation, um, not long after they escaped Egypt, the Israelites, Israelites they faced a battle. And uh, if some of you might remember this, um, as long as Moses had his arms up, 
they were, they were winning in the battle. But when he got tired and when his arms started to fall down, they were losing to the Amalekites. And so what he did is he had Aaron and her on the other side lifting his arms up. And as a result, they won. They won, but he needed the help of others to be able to do that. I don't know about you, but I've certainly needed people to lift my arms up over time, and I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't. So that's the first thing. Reach out to others. How else do you endure through suffering? Hold strong to the vision that God has given you. Moses was 80 years old when he was called to save his people. Like, I can't fathom that. Uh, I mean, I struggle enough at my age. And, and thinking, about, thinking about 80, having to take on a pharaoh, lead a grumpy bunch of people for 40 whole years until they reached the promised land. And he even didn't get to the promised land because he, he was disobedient. So he didn't actually manage it. But 40 years is a heck of a long time to hold on to a vision that God had given him. But he did. And I hope that you can take away some, uh, some inspiration from that. So don't be despondent if things don't happen in your timing. Um, if God's given you a vision, then trust in him and hold strong to his promise. I hope for your sake it's not 40 years, but be inspired that people have done it for a lot longer than what probably you or me will have to. So um, be mindful of that. The fourth thing is personal relationship with God. You see Moses, uh, that it was such an important thing for him. Exodus 33.11 said, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Moses took the time out to build a relationship with God, to listen to the Lord and to commune with him. Now, I'm not suggesting that you spend 40 days and nights up a mountain like Moses did and, and starve or be you know, sleep deprived or whatever, but, um, but taking that time out is a really valuable thing to do because you, you hear from God uh, you can adjust your path, uh, you can sort of renew your vision, and you relate to him face to face. So the question is, are you taking the time out to spend with God, to hear his voice? You might be frustrated with a particular situation in your life. Uh, the question is, are you stopping still? Are you actually communicating to God? And are you listening at the same time? Moses received criticism, he received opposition, discouragement, that happened often. Um, he would go away and commune with God and then he would come back refreshed, renewed, inspired, with clarity of vision and purpose, and then off he went. The fifth lesson is the importance of faith. Faith is an essential key to this story and it's essential to our lives. For generations, the enslaved Hebrews, they called out to God, they prayed and prayed that they would one day be delivered. That took a lot of faith, a lot of waiting, Moses stepped out in faith to oppose the Pharaoh, and he could have lost his life in the process of it. He had faith that God would protect him and uphold him. When the Israelites re reached the Red Sea and they saw the Egyptians approaching, like we said, they were pretty scared. But Moses had faith and he encouraged his people to trust in God. And as a result, you saw that miracle happen. The Israelites needed faith to move forward. And that's why I love that movie clip, because you, you see the fishes and, or the fish and the, the shark. And uh, it's, could you imagine being there and walking in these, all this pile of waters on either side of you? It, it would be pretty daunting, to be perfectly honest. And you can see a shark just there. And uh, you don't know at any point whether this water is going to come crashing down on you. That takes faith. You see so much of it uh, through the life of Moses, but you see it so much through the scriptures. 
Often when we face challenges, we can respond in one of two different ways, fear or faith. Often the Israelites, they were overcome by fear or dismay, and they wanted to turn and they wanted to run back. I felt that way. I'm not sure if you have too. Responding in faith, it actually often means that we can conquer our fears. I'm sure Moses had plenty of fears, but his relationship with God, his trust in him, and ultimately his faith in the Lord, he led him to change history. So remember, it's important to know that Moses wasn't the one that was performing the miracles, it was God. I don't think Moses could part the sea on his own. I don't think he could turn a wooden staff into a snake by himself. It would be impressive if he could. Bring on ten plagues to the Egyptians and all the many more miracles that he accomplished. Uh, that, was, that was all God. Um, he was, God was the one that performed the miracles, but he used Moses' acts of faith and his boldness to carry them out. Often you see in Scripture that, Moses, uh, that God instructs Moses to stretch out his hand and then the miracles were performed. It required an action from him, a response to him. And there are times when God is calling us to stretch out our hands. Maybe it's to reach out to pray for someone that's struggling or that needs healing. Uh, maybe it's to put your hand up and stand up for something that you really believe in. Perhaps it's in worship as a sign of surrender to God to say, I can't do this anymore. And you stretch out your hands to God. It's hard to do. It's easy to allow fear to overwhelm us. See, the Israelites, they, they witnessed the power of God in the most extraordinary way through all of those miracles that they saw. Even manna falling from heaven and God provided bread, quail, water, everything that they needed was provided for them. Yet they still doubted. They still feared. They still lacked faith. Faith is such a core component to the Christian message. So much so that the writer of Hebrews, he devoted seven verses to it in chapter 11. So if you've got your Bibles, have a look at Hebrews 11, chapter 23 onwards. It says, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no, extraordinary, no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he chose to be, to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He, pers- he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Faith or fear? We're going to be singing about it shortly. Uh, Give me faith to see beyond this moment here, to believe that there is nothing left to fear. Think about that. What are some of the lessons that we learn from, from Exodus and from these early books of the Bible? It's a story relevant to the 21st century. Firstly, the church is on the move. The church is constantly evolving. And we, we often say the message remains the same, but the way that we communicate it changes. Healthy churches 
are churches that embrace change, in the same way that healthy people are people that embrace change, following God's leading and being relevant to your context. Number two, respond to God's call. Are you holding back from something that you know God is calling you to do? Step out in faith, I dare you. Make yourself available to God and see where it leads you. Number three, persevere through suffering. Romans 5.4, as I said before, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character leads to hope. I encourage you to persevere if you're struggling. Allow God to make you a better version of you. Number four, prioritize relationship with God. Take the time out of the busyness of your life to commune with God, to be still, to listen to his voice. Not only will you discover more about your creator, but you'll learn more about his plan, his vision for your life. We see that through Moses. We see that all through scripture. Do you mean what you sung before? My heart will sing no other name. Jesus, drawing near to him, prioritizing him as number one in your life. And finally, the importance of faith, which I'll come back to in a, in a moment. I suppose if I, when, when we're talking about this topic, sharing from the heart, uh, I'm passionate about a lot of things um, in, in my world, but the thing that, that I'm probably the most passionate about uh, following our God is his church. It's not this building, the lights, the music, uh, the programs that we do. They're all good, but I'm passionate about God's people, his community, uh, I remember in my ministry where something changed in me where it was no longer about getting the job done or hoping that lives would be transformed. And just in that way, I realized at one point that I actually really loved, I loved the community of God. And I loved the people that I was relating to and I was ministering with. It was a massive shift in me. There is so much potential for the Church of Jesus Christ and there's so much potential in each and every one of you. It's gifting all the way across this room. There's so many, so many of you that could accomplish so much if you stood out in faith. The question is, are we moving forward as a church and as individuals in our faith and in our lives? Are we trusting in God and communing with him? The reality is that in Australia and the Western world, the church is suffering. But we see all over history that the church has had plenty of bad moments. Um, I want to remind you of John 15, the vine and the branches, the scripture that, uh, passage of scriptures that say, remain in me and you'll produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, how about looking at this passage throughout a different lens tonight? Uh, what it means for Northside Community Church, what it maybe it means for you, a fellowship of gifted, of capable people, because to think about, apart from me, you can do nothing, might not resonate well with you because you know the amount of things you can do in your life. You know what gifting you've received. So how about reading it this way? I am the creator. You are my creation. I've given you gifts and talents and opportunities. On your own, you could achieve some success in the eyes of this world. But without me, you will not make an eternal difference for my glory. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you walk with me and follow my voice, you will remain in my love and I'll help you every step of the way. Moses was privileged, he was educated, but he couldn't have led his people out of Egypt by himself. There's just no way. He couldn't have performed, performed those miracles on his own. But he put his life on the line for those that he loved, his God and his people. 
And it sounds really familiar to the gospel message, doesn't it? Jesus putting his life on the line for those that he loved. Northside Community Church is on the move. And the question is, are you on board? Are you a part of that? If you've been around the traps long enough, you'll see that Northside is constantly evolving. I've been here six and a half years and the the church doesn't look anything like what it did uh, when I first came. Some of you might say that even in the last 12 to 18 months, it's changed dramatically. Uh, Remember what we're saying, it's, it's healthy to embrace change, to allow God to change us. But the core components remain the same here at Northside. It doesn't matter about the building. It doesn't matter about the change of lights or style of music or programs that we run. The, the key fundamental things remain the same here at Northside, and that is love. That is commitment to God and to one another, faithfulness, desire to be fruitful and honour God with our lives. The Church of Jesus Christ has endured challenges, and it will continue to. We see that through the Bible. What it has taken and what it will continue to take to move the church forward is you, it's me, it's the person sitting beside you. And the question is, are you up for it? It's people bold in their faith, abiding in Christ and prepared to stretch out their hands to make a difference for his namesake. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the inspiration that we receive uh, when we read your word when we see people that have endured more than we could possibly ever fathom, when we see miracles that uh, have been performed through a simple man or a simple female, Lord, that your truth, your word says that you could you can move mountains through each and every one of us, that, Father, by your spirit, you can empower us to, to achieve all things, uh, we thank you so much for that. We thank you for, for all that you have given us through Jesus Christ. We see Moses so devoted to his people that sacrificed everything, and we see that in Jesus. So, Father, tonight I just pray for those that may be struggling, that are hard, finding it hard to, uh, to keep persevering in their journey, maybe those that struggle in their relationship with you, Father. Father, we pray for those that uh, are struggling in their faith that are ready to pack it all in. God, we just trust in you and we just pray that you would move in this community of believers in the way that you have throughout history. May we make a difference for your name's sake. May we be the men and women that you've called us to be and help us to, to surrender what we need, what's in our hands, to be able to use it for your glory. So take us as individuals as a body, and help us to glorify your name. In Jesus' name. Amen.